Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where this week, again, we will be putting aside our critiquing hats, and I get to put it down the haterade for one week, as we have the distinct pleasure to talk again with a member of the extended Bare Naked family, a powerful performer in her own right. This week, Aaron and I have the honor of talking with a woman who has been very engaged with the Bare Naked ladies lately. But first, let's talk about her own path. She won the Juno Award for the Best solo Artist, New Solo Artist in 1999, as well as won the Canadian Radio Music Award in 1999 for Most Charted Rock Artist for her song Adam's Rib. In 2003, she won the Best International Actress for B- Black Swan from the New York International Independent Film and Video Festival, as well as being nominated for eight other awards in music. She has seven solo albums. She plays the piano, bass guitar, mandolin, guitar, violin, and ukulele. She was a Broadway and Toronto scene actress. Her music has been on Being Erica, Brothers and Sisters, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dawson's Creek, Party of Five, and seven other TV shows and movies. In 2009, Melanie started teaching a small group of students at her children's school in Toronto using the method of ukulele instruction that was established by her father. J. Chalmers Doan in the 1960s. The Doan School is now a registered charity which teaches over 750 students each week in schools throughout Toronto. And I think that number is even up to 900 now. It is. And recently she had a project with the Bare Naked Ladies, as well as an earlier project with, with Ed, which we will get to later. I am very pleased to be talking tonight with Melanie Doan. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you. What a cool intro. I really appreciate all that. You're very welcome. So, do you mind if I call you Melanie? No, I don't mind at all. That's oh. exactly the right name. <laughs> Melanie, you have been a fixture in Canadian and I dare say American music world for a long time. Between albums and acting and theater, you have a very illustrious career. Can we go back to the beginning of that career? If I did my research right, you started by going to college to be a music educator, which I'm guessing was kind of inspired by your father. You got it. That's right. And uh, I just thought that's what I was going to do. And I have an older sister who's a music teacher as well. And she was very inspiring as well. So that's what I thought I would do. (laughs) What made you decide to change directions slightly and audition for theater after college? Well, I was still in college when I did an audition because I was wanting to get a job, a summer job. And I thought, well, this would be a fun job where I could be doing kind of an acting thing. And I needed, you know, they needed a fiddle player and someone that played some instruments. And so I auditioned for something in my hometown that turned into a job that I got. And then at the end of that summer, everyone that I was working with at that job was auditioning for the professional theater in town. And they said, well, you should just audition. I was planning to go back to school, but I I thought, well, I could audition. It'd be fun to step on that stage one time in my life. So I did the audition and I got the job. Then I had trouble because I was, 
I was sort of hooked into this situation that really was exciting. And um, I decided to take a year <laughs> off of school. <laughs> and then I kept taking another year and another year. And that's what happened. So on Wikipedia, it says that your first show was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, um, which I'm guessing it sounds like that was the second one that you did at the Neptune Theater. Is that right? That's right. That was the professional show that, that I auditioned. I just thought, well, maybe I'll just, you know, who knows? I'll take a try and I'll audition for that. Um, and that was the one. That was the one that was a proper job. And I became an equity member and I got my card and all the things that start to happen when you become a working person. And it was an exciting opportunity and I really couldn't pass it up. So that's why I took a break from my studies after my second year. And then I just kept taking the break because I kept working and kept working and then moved to Toronto and kept doing uh, theater. And, and then eventually it got back to music as well. But I was sort of doing it while I was exploring this theater world, which was wonderful and a really great way to learn about discipline and learn about being a professional and finding out, you know, people that you like to be around and what it's like to make a living at doing the thing that you love. And um, I learned from so many wonderful professionals and, and theater was a really cool stepping stone because of all of that discipline and, and because of all of the tradition. And I really am grateful for that. So what was the role that you had in Joseph? <laughs> well, there aren't a lot of female roles in that one, are there? I was just, right. a, I was a, in the chorus and I play, you know, I was just in the dance numbers. And then we, I mean, we, it was a chorus. It's kind of a big chorus um, show. The, the production right. I was in was, was a smaller, it was before that big revival that they did in Toronto. Anyway, I'm not sure it went around the world, but John, Donny Osmond did a big revival at one point, And it was before that it was, it came ahead of that whole thing. So it was a smaller production really, but it had a, it had a pretty big cast and it was a, the kind of thing where there's a million different styles of music. If you know the show, it's got lots of campy kind of, there's a country number, there's a French, supposed to be a French sort of accordion style, you know, silly song. And then there's, you know, all these different, the Calypso the Calypso number. yeah, <laughs> all these different styles and it, but it's kind of campy and, and awesome and silly and, and but great music. And so I got to do, you know, all of those numbers and be in, do dancing and singing and just be singing with amazing, really great, you know, professional singers. And it was just a really fun job when I was 19, you know, or 18, yeah. whatever it was. Well, and how long did you do that show? It was just part of a season. So I did that show and then they offered, I, I did some more auditions because I was taking that year off. I, I was already out of school for the year. So I was going to work for the year anyway, just get another job or something until I went back. And then they offered me some more shows that year at the same, during the season. So that, that show would have been for a month maybe. And then there was another couple of shows that year that I got a part in. And then they offered me some shows for the next year. So the next season came along and I went back to the, to the theater and worked again. And then I moved to Toronto and started to do more stuff. So that was, I, I just got kind of hooked and um, I kept thinking, well, I, I, you know, I think you can go back to school after, even after two years, I think you're allowed to go back and all my credits are still good. And then, you know, the third year would come around. I think I can still go back. And then I'd find, Oh, I think you have 10 years, you know, <laughs> and then I remember the 10 years I passed the 10 year point And I thought, Oh, I, I think I'm, I think I'm not going back. I'd have to start from the beginning. That would be a drag. And then I just kind of thought, realized, Oh, I just work. I'm working. This is what I do. I, I see. And that was okay too. Yeah. 
So at what point did you go down to Broadway? That happened um, a few years later. I got in the show when I was uh, in Toronto for a while, and it was the Buddy Holly story, which was a really fun show to be in. And they had, um, again, it was a great big cast, and they kind of recreated the story, kind of like the movie Buddy Holly story, where where they, you know, Buddy goes in the studio and all the things that he did and all, the, all those great songs, and then they recreate that final concert. So it's so, you know, touching that they, you know, all the people that were on that big show, the Big Bopper and Richie Valens, and they all, you know, they all died on that terrible crash but they in the show it's like a big live performance with all of those performers and a great big cast so we had a huge band on stage and they do the whole thing with all of those performers and it's really you know it's a fun fun show to be part of and i was hired to play fiddle because there was some country music in the beginning of the show and then i Mm -hmm. played bass for some stuff and i was played lots of little characters and i got to sing on all the good good numbers and so that was another really cool opportunity and then we went to went to new york for a while and you know that's a really cool experience wow how did your time in the theater because it sounds like broad was was kind of that end spot where you then it started releasing your own music how did that theater time shape and mold you into what you now bring to music education today hmm i don't know about where the education crosses over with the theater part but i know that the discipline and the dedication to the art is something that the theater taught me so that I could move into creating my own music. And I had the structure or the example of structure from theater that really helped me when I moved into songwriting and Mm -hmm. into working with my own band and doing things. um, Because if, if you don't have structure, you're creating your day. You know, when am I going to write this music? When will I rehearse? When am I going to, do all the things that I want to accomplish and they're all on your own schedule. It's up to you to figure it out and, and execute it and make it happen and find places to play and get an agent and all those things that you, you need to do. And I learned about that kind of hard work from the theater. Mm-hmm. And then I think further down the line, it was kind of like a giving back people who had helped me as a kid and you know a big big part of that is my parents but but a big you know when when people in the community create something where you get to learn music um it inspires you to do the same for other little kids and and that kind of came full circle so i i mean the theater is all part of that but it's all connected when it's arts and it's nurturing people to to find their own path whatever it may be but it, but from that creative point of view you get pretty passionate about finding ways to help kids find that within themselves what a great answer i was just listening a little earlier to adam's rib and really enjoying that um thanks yeah i mean i know you've been up to a lot more since then but uh uh, I, you know, I, I'm trying to put a finger on your sound. It's interesting to me. Uh, Wikipedia says, you know, has you, I think, listed under uh, pop and rock, but there's certainly uh, some country influence in there. I would say. Well, you hear fiddle in there probably is making you think that. A that's bit. probably maybe that's it. That's probably and, true. Uh, and I'm glad you heard that. That's great. I was really um, so ferociously 
including the fiddle or violin or whatever you want to call it on on that album and particularly that song really wanted it represented because it's so so much a part of what I do and and then people sometimes get confused about well what is the style of music you're playing I think that kind of a influence that way way back John Mellencamp had used fiddle mm-hmm. on some stuff but it was really of course it has a, a folky and country feel but it was Indeed. also really rocking sound and that was that was um, an example that I used to look to and try to explain to people it doesn't have to just be slotted here and there you can use it you know it's a pretty versatile instrument you can use it all over the place but that was one of my passions at the time to really make sure that it was represented and that I would be able to play it live and mm. be able to, to show what I was up to and uh, anyway I'm glad you heard it Thanks. well I, I certainly <laughs> agree I love the fusion of rock and strings and some of my favorite albums have been uh, introducing rock into, uh, pardon me, strings into into rock and kind of blending uh, the beautiful kind of uh, gliding singing element of the of the strings in with the much more kind of uh, thumping uh, rhythm section oriented uh, focus of rock. So, how would you characterize your music? I mean, certainly it's your style has changed over the years, and you you've been uh, all over the place. But how, if someone were to ask you to to characterize or classify your music, uh, if, if you could do such a thing, how would you do it? Yeah, I'm really terrible at it. I, <laughs> I often just say something like, ah, it's sort of pop music, or I'm a, it's, it's sort of rock-influenced pop music. I, I mean, I, I don't like to be limited, and I love all kinds of music, and that's maybe one reason I've moved into uh, working with with students and, and in education, because we can do everything, and it's so exciting to be able to provide that uh, when you're working with kids, but I really don't like to be limited and I uh, have so many influences from being a classical kid to growing up mm. on the East Coast and having, you know, um, East Coast fiddle kind of music and, and folk music and then my brother's a rock drummer, so he had a lot of stuff oh, nice. that I just loved and my sister loved songwriters and, and, and you know, the craft of writing songs and, and that kind of thing and you know, all of those things just are part of life and, and part of how I grew up. And I guess I, I like to be able to draw on whatever whatever I feel like at the, at the time. And, you know, you don't always get to do that. It's not always easy. But, you know, a band like Bernard the Ladies are a great mm. example of just, oh, yeah. you know, you serve the song. I need to I need to write this song now, and I'm going to serve the song. And I think ultimately when you do write, you can look at it that way the song will tell me what needs to happen here musically. And if you're versatile musically and you already have a band who's versatile, you can play writing with other people who are versatile, then you can draw on all of those different things. And that's, to me, the ultimate is being able to express and and explore all of that. So what inspired you to go into music writing? You know, you came from, you were doing the theater for a while. You you came from this background of music education. What inspired you to go out and and do your first solo album? (laughs) I've been, I didn't plan on it. My, everyone else in my family were writers, and I never saw myself as a songwriter because they were all really, really good. My dad was a good writer. I had a big sister who was writing songs as a kid. Like she was one of those big sisters. Oh, I wrote a song today, and she'd play it for you, or I wrote something for you to sing. And she was one of these great, smart kids, and my brother was, a, was doing it too, and I just was always the one that was kind of the performer, and I would you know, play on that, oh, I'll play on your thing, or they'd, they'd 
be so creative and I, I just didn't see myself as a songwriter. But when I moved away and went to Toronto and I've done lots of theater and I started to work um, a bit as a sideman. So after some of the theater stuff and before I started writing, uh, I got hired to perform in other people's bands. So I would get hired to be a fiddle player or maybe a bass player, or, um, come sing background and play mandolin. And we have a tour. We need to hire somebody. And so I was doing a fair bit of kind of gigging as a, as a musician and learning a little bit about what that's like and meeting musicians. And I was enjoying it a lot. I like being a sideman. I'm, I'm, I'm a good band mate and I'm a good contributor in that way. But I started to notice that I was getting kind of, not exactly agitated, but I was noticing that, oh, I'm, I'm starting to be kind of nitpicking whatever that, creative person who had hired me, I was starting to pick apart their work mm. a little bit, like in my head. I was like, oh, that shouldn't be like that. It should be like this. And, <laughs> oh, I, I don't like this arrangement. I, I mean, this arrangement's driving me crazy. I feel like it should be like this. And, mm. and and it wasn't necessarily appropriate, but what I realized was that I needed to write. <laughs> I needed to write my own stuff. I needed to be the boss of my own thing because I had a creative need. And, 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 there was nothing wrong with anything anyone was doing. Of course, it was just that I was growing and I needed to find my own outlet because that um, that's why I was nitpicking because I was like anxious to get my own thing going. So I finally took a clue for myself and started to uh, <laughs> take steps. But that, that was a bit of a process I, I didn't because I didn't expect it. I didn't know that I had that in me. So um, eventually I took a, took a leap and, and did like a gig. I asked some some guys there was a band from Halifax called the Hopping Penguins and they hmm. they were a little couple years older than me and they they were the kind of band and they, they actually still play together got great guys and they would do lots of fun cover stuff and they used to pack a pack the bars in Toronto like every Friday and Saturday they would be playing somewhere and um, I asked them if I could open just like I just need one opening spot would you guys mind and they let me open for them one night uh, you know on a Friday night somewhere and it was the first, you know, time that I put any of my own music or got up there and did it. And it was really exciting. And, and that was kind of the beginning and kept going. <laughs> so thanks to the Hopping Penguins who let me open for them at whatever the Horseshoe Tavern or wherever it was that night. <laughs> well, I'm certainly glad they did. And I'm glad that you discovered that creative spark and decided to, to act on it. That's uh, wonderful. Well, thank you. So is the Horseshoe Tavern a big place up in toronto because you had your start there bare naked ladies had you know it was a pretty big important thing in their lives as well um i believe that was the first time that they played with that that ed and steve also had uh andy and and jim come up on stage with them and so, so there's is that right like, i don't think i knew that that's cool yeah, yeah. That makes sense. It, well, so is it, it's, it's a small place it's not big at all but it's just a place where it's it, the location is right in a in a spot that we all gravitate towards especially well when i first came to toronto it was like what what's happening at the horseshoe it was such a, an iconic place we knew we knew it where it was we knew about it we knew that bands play there we knew that cool people we liked would be there and um so that's you know that's why it's so awesome it's been there forever and and we've all had maybe a special memory or a start there that's but it's really not being tiny yeah <laughs> Sorry, Aaron, I interrupted you. <laughs> well, I just got excited because I heard her mention Halifax. So, uh, <laughs> were you, did you grow up in Halifax? Yeah. Only, oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I have my aunt and uncle. They're they're out in uh, Victoria now, and 
I went to Moncton for a while before then. But uh, I remember for most of my childhood, they lived in Halifax, and I used to go up there and visit them and um, have really fond memories of the summers in Halifax. I would spend cool. uh, with them. And, yeah, it's just kind of a special place in my heart because of that. So that's that's really cool that you're from there. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Melanie, because I had a question about Halifax. Given that Halifax is kind of your, your place, your hometown, what is your take on Hello City? <laughs> yeah, well, I remember, I, well, you know, it's not my impression. I was always upset that, that, that they had had a negative vibe, you know. I always felt bad about that. I thought, oh no, I've got to make up for the fact that it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good time when they first went to Halifax. But you know, what can you do? What can you do about <laughs> it? Um, I, I felt bad about it. I tried to erase it. That's what I try to do. Try to erase that by, <laughs> by being an extra good Haligonian at all times. So when I'm in the presence of the very naked ladies, that, that's what I. That's all I could do. <laughs> so how did you come to meet the bare naked ladies? Oh, so neat. I was performing with this little folk group who are really, really sweet, wonderful, older guys. Not older, but a couple years older than me anyway. And, and they, they were a folk group called Tamarack. And they had hired me to come play with them on a cross-Canada tour uh, this one summer in 1992. And Bare Ladies had just become the biggest thing mm-hmm. ever because they put out their tape and everyone... Mm-hmm everyone it was just all about them but they had um not it was just before gordon was coming out and they still had some engagements that probably had been booked even just before it was as huge as it became and so we were all we all ended up we were headlining and i was with this little group that had hired me to come play bass and mandolin and fiddle and sing with them in this little folk trio and we found ourselves at this festival with the Bare Naked Ladies headlining in Dawson City, Yukon. It was such a tiny little festival. There were only a few of us that had flown in to perform. And so we all met flying there, which was, I think we were in like a military airplane, which was interesting and different. And everyone was kind of like, wow, we're all going to, this is going to be so cool. We've never been to Dawson <laughs> City. We were all just like really into it. And of course, those of us who weren't the Bare Naked Ladies were like, the Bare Naked Ladies are here. This is crazy. They're huge. Like, what's happening? Because they were just exploding. It was right at that moment. So it was really cool to be um, with them and meeting them at that moment because they were having such a great time and they were enjoying you know, they were enjoying everything and they were just young guys and they were great and they were super friendly and fun. And so we met on the flight and then we got there and everyone was, you know, we were all backstage all the time and we were all on stage with each other and we were watching them do their show. And, and people were very excited, of course, about everything that had to do with them. And they were doing lots of interviews. But meanwhile, we were all, everyone would be, all the band people would be eating it together. And so it was a lot of camaraderie and just getting to know people and, and playing music together and jamming and staying up late. And it was just a really wonderful time with musicians and young people meeting each other and, and very, very um, Dawson city because the, the sun didn't go down. So people would just stay up way too late. You didn't even realize how late it was. And it was just one of those kind of amazing experiences. And, we just we all hit it off and, and remained friends because it was just one of those like we were kids and we all met and it just stuck really a good time. 
It was yeah. only, a, it was like four days, three days or four days, but very much a bonding experience. Yeah. It's amazing how friendships can blossom over such a very short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really astounding. And, and, and all the people that were there had this, had the, the I mean, we all felt it. It was really cool. Really cool. But those guys, but then we were able to afterwards just see it take off. I mean, it just kept going and going and, you know, we could all feel like, Oh, we're part of, you know, we're part of the fun with them. We, we got to be with them at that moment and just have a few days with them and, and, and enjoy it. And so that's, that's always been a very special memory. Then in 2001, you recorded Tell You Stories with Ed. How did that come about? Oh, well, you know what? I think we did the original recording even earlier than that. We did it, we did it again for a live album and Ed came out and sang it. But earlier, a little earlier than that, I had put it out. I was making a record for Sony at the time. It was my mm-hmm. first album before I did the Adam's Rib stuff. And I had really wanted to do a singing duet with Ed. That was always something I had hoped I would get to do one day. So I asked him when I was, when I finally had a deal and I was going in the studio, I asked if he would be up for it. And, you know, he's the best and he said, yes. (laughs) So he sang on the song and then we made a little video for it. I don't know if you've seen that, but we ended up doing a video for the song. So I will tell you stories that you can call your own. And they were on the road. They were just at that point, just all the time, just gone, gone, gone. And because that's when Maroon was blowing up for them. I think that must have been it. But no, this was before. Like this, when we did the video, I think it was nine, like in '97 or something. Okay, so just before, just before uh, Stunt took off. Yeah, and they were in Kalamazoo. And it was sort of close to Toronto-ish. And so my video crew said, we're going to go down. We've got most of the video in the can, but let's go, let's go get a day of shooting with Ed because, you know, we can't have this video without Ed. And so we, we jumped in the car with like a little tiny crew and went down. And after his show one night, we were in Kalamazoo, a real place. I didn't even know that until I'd gone there. And um, <laughs> went and just, they scouted a little spot and we sang, we did the choruses and stuff with Ed that we got to put into the, the rest of the video. And it was really sweet of him to, to give us time. And uh, we were, you know, at the, it was, a, it was a, a great addition to the whole song and video. And then later we did do another recording of it, which is maybe with the 2001, I think. So not to correct you, but we did no, no, again. No. And, um, that was like a live, I did a live performance and, and Ed was like our guest, special guest at the show. And we did it again. That's great. No, feel free to correct me anytime. I, I can collect only so many things off the internet and, and get th- numbers right only so much. You've lived it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if I'm getting it all right. But anyway, I'm pretty sure about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass it back to Aaron now. I've taken up for a little bit here. I'm, I'm very uh, very happy to have the opportunity to ask you a few questions, Melanie. Uh, I did want to ask, we were talking about composition. I write music myself, such as it is. And for me, it's sort of a compulsion. And I, I wanted to ask you, it's, it's sort of always been sort of therapeutic for me. What purpose does composition serve for you? therapeutic side for sure usually uh, maybe it's somewhat of a compulsion but i i don't have a lot of choice in the matter is Mm. how how i feel usually i similar to that time when i was playing for other people and i was starting to get bugged it's like what 
what's bugging me? What's, what's, why am I so bugged? Like, what's happening? Why am I agitated? Oh, that's me telling me, do something, you dummy. Do something. You want to mm-hmm. do something. What is it you need to do? What is it you need to say? Are you not playing? Are you not singing? Are you not writing it? Like, do it. And it's usually a little bit like that. Um, I may be getting distracted with whatever, life or a different job or something, who knows what. And I, eventually I give myself a message and then I, I, I hopefully start to take the hint a little quicker as time goes on. But it's funny that way you sort of do the same lessons over and over. But for mm. me, the art, the art is pushing me forward and I don't have a lot of say. And I hopefully get better at listening to the signals and the signs that, Oh, that's something bubbling up that wants to come mm. out, and that's a good—that's a good thing. That's like that's the signal. Okay, something good is coming, and now I know to listen and, and either, you know, get get in the studio or get just write it down or get my little book out or get out the guitar or sit at the piano and whatever it may be. But something's coming. Excellent, thank you. I just one more question about your your personal process. I'm just curious because for me. The most difficult thing is always saying to myself, okay, this piece is done. Because I never really want to give it up. I'm always like, oh, I can come back and tweak it or, or change something here. So the, the hardest part for me is just putting it down and walking away and saying, okay, this is this is a finished song now. I don't know about you, but how do you deal with that, with just wrapping everything up at the end? Usually it's a deadline. Like yeah. knowing, <laughs> knowing you're going to have a gig, like that's mm-hmm. a really good motivator. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get up and I really like this song. Mm. Okay, I really didn't quite finish something, isn't quite finished, but I really, I'm going to sing it on Friday, you know. So, and I have to teach it to everyone tomorrow. Mm. And so I do need to finish it. And and also to give yourself permission to change something if you want to. I mean, you can change that's it. That's very true. Song, yeah, who's to say? Know? So you don't have to, you know, there's no rule. I've, I mean, I've I've written a lyric 20 years ago and then finished it, you know, this week. It's, it, there's no rule. And I've taken songs and, re- and just gone, you know what? I really love this lyric, but this isn't working for me anymore. I don't like this music anymore. I'm going to, it's going to be a whole new song. Boom. It's done. It's my, it's, I get to do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, we've actually, that, I mean, that's true. We've actually seen a couple of songs already in the show that we've done for the Bare Naked Ladies where there were alternate versions or later versions and they were quite different and even yeah. completely different song titles. So that's that's extremely yes. true. Excellent yeah, I mean, answer. Really, you're, I mean, you're in charge, right? And it's sort of that giving yourself permission to mm-hmm. just make it right. Giving your permission, yourself permission to get up and do it and know that you're, you know, it may not be, it may not be finished. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? But you know, when you're a performer, you do yeah. want to you want to serve your audience. You want to be respectful, and you so you want to be professional. So you got to do something. You have to be polished or or dis- make a decision in that moment. But then you know, who's to say it's not going to change in time? You can do whatever you want. I give you permission. <laughs> All right, I'll just next time I'm I'm having doubt. I'll just say, you know what, Melanie said it was okay. So <laughs> I appreciate. Said, it. Everybody, <laughs> Melanie said everybody. You can use that. They'll that's, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> thank you. That's that's a wonderful answer. Um, now I have to ask. I'm very excited because you're a Canuck. I'm very excited to ask you about this because I'm always bringing okay. them up. But Uh-oh. Tracy and Michelle. Yeah, don't. <laughs> no, no. I'm so worried. Some hockey no, player. I don't, I, it's not gonna. No, 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 no. I don't think. So. <laughs> I, I don't consider it. But 
Uh, are you a fan of the Tragically Hip? Uh, I yes, I am a fan in a, in a way. Mm. I do not know a lot of songs off the top of my head that I can sing along with, and that's just because I'm like that about everything. And I I'm bad at remembering lyrics, and I could probably sing along without the proper words to a lot of songs. I could mm. probably play bass to a lot of things, um, but I I didn't ever go to a show and. I guess I'd have to, you know, maybe a, a real fan would say, well, then you're not a fan. Um, I don't I, think, I'm, I, not, I'm not a fan. I'm not, no pun intended, but I'm not a fan of uh, setting boundaries like that, you know? Well, so I, I'm a fan in, in, in uh, out of respect and, and admiration in, in that sense, absolutely. And, um, you know, I met Gord a few times and wow. just think he's a wonderful, you know, what a wonderful person amazing legacy and the work and everything that he's done. And so that, that's all undeniable. And, um, you know, I wish I had seen them. I just hadn't, I don't, I, yeah. I don't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a lot of people. I'm one of those people that maybe I don't get out much. I'm not sure. Um, I tend to see stuff when I'm also working or performing and then I'm kind of living life and, you know, I've got kids and I'm home and I'm doing stuff and I'm, I'm not a, out at a show every night. Type mm. of person and uh, maybe growing up in Halifax, <laughs> we didn't have a lot of. Well, there's that. Too. A lot of big tours coming through. I mean, yeah. a lot of, of moths, but not tours. A lot of people that grew up with <laughs> me, they would see anything that did come. But I, I wasn't in the loop on all of the, you know, the very few shows that did make it all the way to Nova Scotia. Um, I didn't get out to them, so that wasn't something I uh, was always trying to do. So it, it's just not part of my yearly schedule of which shows am I going to see. So mm. I'm, I'm not, I'm an oddball that way. I'm not a normal person. <laughs> well, so I'm, 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 I'm sort of introverted, so I can relate to staying at home a lot and just working on stuff and, and you know, working on recording and things. Um, and I, I admit, I myself never saw them, unfortunately. I would have loved to, but I, I do enjoy a lot of their music, and I, I'm just excited to talk to someone who knows who they are, because I'm always bringing, <laughs> two bands that I'm always bringing up in comparison when we talk about BNL <laughs> are cool. they, they Might yeah. Be Giants and The Tragically Hip. Ooh. And uh, I think feel like Tracy and Michelle are always kind of like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> He's educating yeah, us on sense. them while we're that's educating good. him on BNL. Yeah, because that's true. I am the least, by far, the least knowledgeable person about v, uh, BNL in the in the show. But I, I've been certainly enjoying all the music that I've been exposed to and um, and all the opportunities you know that it affords to talk to people like you. So this, it's been a, a real uh, a real pleasure working on this. Oh, that's really cool. So you mentioned education, and I don't know if – pardon me because I came in a little late here, but uh, have you have you guys talked about U-School? We have not. No, we haven't yet. I want to hear about U-School. Yeah, so how did that come about? How did In 2009, you were, you were doing pretty successful with these albums, and you were really going strong, and you start up U-School. Like, how, how did that happen? Well, I started it uh, for my kids. They were – they were little there. Well, they were in grade one and three, I think. And I wanted to do something that was um, even just a little taste of what my dad had given us in our city of Halifax, because he was uh, he was a big music educator in our town and had created a very huge program in our schools. And it was a really wonderful place to grow up. And I wanted to do something that was even just the tiniest bit the same as that. I wanted to give them a taste of the ukulele program and some of what he had done for us in our city. So I, I volunteered at their school and the school 
was uh, kind enough to allow me to come in. Um, and what I proposed to them was that I would come for 30 weeks of the year. I would come in every week um, and work with this group that I was going to start. And then I also said further to that, I would really like to come next year too, because I'd like to take these kids to the next, you know, to the advanced group. And then I'd like to start new beginners next year. So anyway, they agreed that I could do this, do this program and do a pilot project. And, um, you know, I, I, of course, uh, had my dad giving me great advice and I have a sister, like I mentioned, who's a teacher and, um, everything went very well. The kids did great and I loved doing it. And, um, I was able to use all all of the stuff from my dad's program. And um, then the second year we had two groups and then the third year we had three groups. And then I, <laughs> mm. another school, another school, nearby, so we, how do we get this program? You know, some parents were like, we, we caught wind of this. How do we get this? <laughs> so I thought, well, I guess I could go down the road and do it. You know, it wouldn't hurt me to do one over there. And it's, you know, I've already done all the preparation. I'm just teaching it now. I just, go in and may as well do that. And then, um, then there was another school and then another couple of more schools. And then I got one of my friends to, who had grown up in Halifax. She was in the school board and I said, well, maybe you could teach a few. And so we kind of got coordinated on how we were going to do the method. And, and then we both started to do some more classes and then we worked in another friend from, from the East coast who was also here. Anyway, it quickly, it was growing, growing, growing. And, um, as we mentioned earlier, just as we we're getting into the beginning of this. Um, so we started with eight kids, I think the first year, and now we have just about 900 uh, uh, every week that we're teaching. So it's really grown a lot. <laughs> it's really t- <laughs> taking a lot of my brain and I'm loving it. It's just been an amazing experience. So my son, Oh, sorry about that. Aaron. <laughs> So my son has just learned the power of the ukulele uh, through classes that were brought to his school. Um, I I personally can't connect with him through it because I, I have no musical ability at all. These guys will tell you that. Um, but I love the practice videos that you have online on school. Um, oh, yeah? Did you check it out? Yeah, I can help my son practice and improve, and it's really cool because I can play it with him, and or can't play oh. the ukulele, but I can play the videos for him and watch him learn. Great. What makes you decide to kind of expand to the internet, and like, do you plan on making it expand further? Do you plan on doing more videos? Well, you know, those videos are not particularly um, well; they're not meant to be in place of the lessons that we do at, right. in the school. Um, I mean, some. Adults could probably figure out what to do watching them. They're pretty, I mean, they're, they're fairly, it's good instruction, but it's not meant to be um, lessons online. And the reason right. that is, is because what I'm particularly passionate about is being in the school with the kids for 30 weeks. That's, that's part of why it's working so well is that we make that commitment to be there every week of the school year. Like once we start, we start in October, but it's, we follow the school year and we're there every week. And that is part of why it's working so well, but music is not easy. It's not easy to learn an instrument and you need to have that commitment from somebody. Um, We try to model it to our teachers by being there every week, but we also try to give the parents a lot of support so they can be, um, giving that at home and even for people like you're saying you're not a musician well then what would you do if you didn't have some tools from us the teachers 
how would you help your child practice if you didn't feel like you had a lot of mm. musical background? So I wanted to give some tools so parents could sit with their kids and enjoy the process of what's happening in class. And then they can just put me on and I'm like, this is what we did in class, everybody. <laughs> and they can show. And even if they can't play, but they can tune up with me. So we're going to tune everybody. Don't forget mm. to do this. And I even tell actually sometimes, and it is hard to tune an instrument and I wouldn't expect everyone to be able to, but also, you know, just call, I'll do it with you on the phone. Call me up. I'll, t- I'll help you tune your instrument. This is part of learning music. You have to, it, it takes time. You're not, expe- you shouldn't feel bad if you're not a musician and you can't, you know, you're like, Oh, I can't tune the instrument. This is going to be, this is going to be a disaster. Well, no, you're not, you're not supposed to know that. I'm the teacher. Call me up. We'll help you. Um, so I tried to I tried to think of all the as many things as I can to give some sort of support so that everyone can have a good time with music because what a gift it is you know what an amazing thing oh, to yeah. be able to play music in your life and if you can play it at home with your family if you can play it with your friends and if you can have it for the rest of your life um, it's really a profound thing and um, we we take it really seriously we have a ton of fun. But we, we take the fact that we have the privilege of delivering this message uh, very, very seriously. So that's why we did the what videos. A, and uh, I don't know. Well, what a, a, little bit what of a great way to video. expand your program and to incorporate, you know, enca- encapsulate the parents into that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's essential. And, and you, can't, you can't get anywhere without support when you're learning. It, it's a tricky thing to learn music. It's, it's not easy. Mm. And, and the more support you have, the more fun you're going to have, and the more you're going to be able to go with it, further you'll be able to go. And um, and when you have support from home, I mean, we can see when parents are engaged, we know which children are right away having parents who are like, we want them in this mm-hmm. program, and they're so excited, and they're like, we're going to practice, and we're going to, oh, and when you, in a couple of years, we'll buy you a nicer instrument because you're doing so well, and we can see the difference. So it, it, I feel like it's my job to to... You know, some some people didn't have music in their families. They don't know they don't know the power of it. So if I can somehow reach to those families that maybe didn't have it and say, you know what, try it. Sit with here's the video. Sit with your child when it's practice time and and have fun together. You're going to enjoy. Just let them show off. Let them show you what they can do. Put me on and I'll talk them through. I'll take them through the skills and they can just show you their stuff. They're going to be beaming and then you just tell them how great they are and you know start there see what happens and then we see like you know we see that that same child that might have you know you can tell the parents were tentative but you can see the difference a couple weeks later when the parents start to realize oh well we did we started to review at home it's going very well thanks for the support and and that child starts to excel in the class and it's really great i mean it's so exciting yeah, and by the way, uh, if you're listening at home, you can check out the website at uschool. That's the letter U and then the word school.ca. Very cool website. You can see a video involving the Bare Naked Ladies, for instance. And I see on the website <laughs> here, students have performed with Sarah McLaughlin, the Bare Naked Ladies, of course. And uh, I, before even a musician, I'm probably a nerd. And so I'm really happy to see Chris Hadfield and really oh, jealous good. to see Chris Hadfield listed on there, one of my favorite Canadians as well. Um, super, who broke the internet famously a few years back with his cover of David Bowie's Space Oddity from the International Space Station. So that's <laughs> that's really super cool. I am uh, I think that's a really, 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 awesome program and um i think that's really awesome that you would uh, that you would do that 
Oh, well, thank you for that. And I hope uh, if people take a look, they'll see just how wonderful it was that the Naked Ladies gave their time and, and oh, yeah. came in the studio with us and, and supported the program. And it has just uh, meant the world to me. How do people go about donating to this wonderful cause? You can just come to uschool.ca and check out the video and you can hear the song that we did together. And if you feel like donating, you just press, press the donate button. That's it. Nice and easy. And nice and any easy. donations, yeah, we'll be most uh, appreciative of any donations. We, what we're doing right now is um, trying to reach the kids who are on our waiting list. We've got a lot of, what we do is go right into the schools. So we, we take our program to all the public schools and we've got schools waiting for us to start programs at their location. And we do that because we want to reach all the neighborhoods and kids where they live because a lot of families who aren't going to have opportunities to do instrumental music. A lot of the reasons they can is because it's cost prohibitive or also they can't travel after school. The, the parents might be working and kids can only really do programs at their own school and then they get picked up and they go home. But if we go into the school, we can do it at lunch, we can do it after school, and we can make it accessible to kids that might not have that opportunity. So what we do is, um, you know, we're serving a lot of, a lot of students right now. and We've got a lot of of schools waiting for us to come in. So we're really hoping to raise money for that purpose and, uh, you know, for instruments as well. So if people are inspired and they want to help us get to some more kids, that would be great. We'd appreciate the help. And research proves over and over again that music and music education in school thrives and encourages and enriches every other area of learning that happens in school. So what you're doing is not just teaching kids music, you're teaching them basics of education throughout every area and subject. So thank you. I mean, it's a brain, it's a brain nurturer, no matter what, mm. however you think of it. It's, uh, it's feeding the brain, and um, it does enhance all of those other aspects of learning. And, um, and music, just for music itself, is worth it. Even just for that, it was yeah. all worth it. Because music itself is unbelievably awesome. But uh, what you say is true. I agree with that. And we all know the research as well. Yes, I'm fascinated by the way the brain responds to music. Uh, I think there's a lot uh, of uh, interesting potential there in the realms of, you know, music therapy and um, mm-hmm. and just mental health, rewiring everything. your brain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very cool. Well, obviously, uh, people can follow what you do at MelanieDone.com. Is there any other social media or any other way that you'd like people to track what you're up to? Yeah, you know, there's like Instagram and Twitter and those things. Mm. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on it, sort of. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> sort of. That's probably it. the healthiest way to be on it. <laughs> anything, of, anything of note is ha- is there, so people can and people can reach out that way if that's their preference, and that's great. And we'll we'll get the messages. And I have helpers when I when I wait too long and I'm not responding quick enough, I get the messages. But um, yeah, I'm on it, sort of. People are like, "Why don't you? You've got the school, and you've got all these kids doing stuff. Why? Why aren't you? You know, this should be way more Instagram, and you, you're doing so much. It's just not. You've got so much content, and I'm like, yeah, I'm because I'm busy. I'm busy doing it. I'm doing a program. I've got my hands full. I go to a whole event, and I, at the end, I go, oh, I guess we should have taken a photo of that. But my hands are full, like literally full. Of yeah. like, I'm holding on to instruments, and I'm teaching. It's totally full up. 
So yeah, I need to retrain myself so that I'm better at that. But um, the reason I'm not better at it is just that I'm doing doing <laughs> stuff, and and that's okay. That's a good I think reason, so. I guess. At this yeah. point, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can. That's all I can do. Aaron, I know you had a question. I know you had a question about the guys, about the ladies, and I'll oh, come uh, back to that. I'll let you finish up with that question. Sure. So the guys from Monster Squad Minute, who are, are good friends of the podcast, they've been on several po- times now, um, Andrew and, and uh, Justin, they absolutely love you. They think that you're great, and they wanted me to let you know that. Um, oh, my gosh. They, they also they live up in the up in the maritime area up in New up in Newfoundland. So um they oh wow. Yes. <laughs> so their question that they wanted me to make sure that I asked was do you, they they said well in in America and I don't know if the same thing is true in in Canada etc that the big instrument that they almost always make kids play and I don't know why they do this is the recorder. Do you think that the ukulele is giving the recorder a run for its money? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. It's also a good instrument, and I hate to to badmouth any musical (laughs) instrument. Yeah, true. If you're lucky enough to have a teacher teaching you anything, then I would say, that's great. If someone asked me which instrument would I prefer to play, I would prefer to play the ukulele and if i was asked which instrument i would prefer to deliver education and and deliver the message of music and all the things you can do with music in your life which instrument would i choose to teach all of that i would i would choose the ukulele and further to that i would say and my father would say this so i'll I'll say this my father has taught me this there is no better instrument for delivering music education than the ukulele because you can play everything on it. You're singing. Number one, you can sing. Mm. You can't sing while playing a lot of instruments. Um, it's affordable and you can do melody, harmony, and rhythm all at the same time. And those are all of the main elements of music. Plus you add in the singing and ensemble work. It's, uh, there is no better delivery system. So, um, I wouldn't put it against recorder. I put it against every other instrument. If in that Mm. realm of what's the best way to deliver, um, education, the uke, um, which instrument's better? I'm not going to get into that because if someone <laughs> is a recorder player, and that's wonderful. Recorders yeah. great. All the instruments are great. And teachers who are strong at delivering that the curriculum that way, well, good for them. And how how lucky to have that opportunity. Um, so I won't I won't dump on the recorder. But <laughs> if I have to choose, you you know what I'm saying. Yes, <laughs> I think that's a wonderful answer. Yeah, yeah, and you know, honestly, I, I started with the recorder. I remember my very early music classes, and I think a lot of people who are musical have that kind of shared uh, tribal memory of playing hot cross buns on the recorder. So there's something to be said about the shared experience. But I, I much would have preferred looking back, uh, learning with the the uke. So that's, I think it's really cool you're providing that experience for for so many kids. I think it's wonderful. No, thanks. Well, it is it is a lot of fun, and it and it really does work. It really, really does work, and uh, I stand behind it 100%. So to kind of finish up here, if you had to encapsulate your times that you had, your experiences that you had with Bare Naked Ladies, what would you say is the most memorable experience that you would like to kind of put out there that, that would entertain our audience? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's so hard. 
have so yes. many wonderful memories, and, and particularly <laughs> this most recent where they gave them, you know, they gave their time and came in and, and recorded with a hundred of our students. I mean, that's, that's really cool of them, yeah. That is a beautiful video, by the way, people. Go out there and listen to that. It's really good, isn't it? I mean, it just shows you know, how generous they are, how great they are. That's hard to beat, but I will also say that sitting, being in the audience at one of their shows, and um, when I was recording my Adam's Rib album, they were in town in L.A., and I was there working, and I took my producer and some other people who didn't know them as well as I did. I mean, they, of course they knew them, but they didn't know every song and every word, and I'm there in L.A. working on my own stuff, and they're on stage, and, and I'm just so, you know, happy to be Canadian. I'm so happy to know them. I'm so happy to to see all that's happened for them. I'm so proud of them, and I'm in the audience and loving every second, and that kind of memory is, you know, also really big for me. I just will never forget that awesome feeling. Well, thank you very much for being with us, Melanie. I have to say you have been an amazing interviewee. Um, you sound like an amazing person as well. Um, I had about three pages of notes that I <laughs> or questions that I, had, that I had written down. And it wasn't that I didn't have time to ask them. You answered all those questions <laughs> with just your natural answers. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. You've been a wonderful well, guest. Well, you guys are super fun. And I really appreciate you um, shining a light on, on the youth program. And uh, of course the work you're doing is terrific. And, um, I'm such a fan, so I'm, I'm with you all the way. And take care. Great to meet you both. Yes, great to meet you. And keep up the great work on your end. Indeed, yeah. I will, I will. I will. Thank you. Melanie, it was such a pleasure to meet you. Take care of yourself and continue the great work you're doing. Thanks to you both. Have a great night. You too. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 I will tell you stories. And I will call you brother. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.